Okay, everybody, welcome to Chat with the Designers. This is live, online, interactive, bi-weekly magazine for hams, homebrewers, and experimenters across the Fruited Plains. This is George, N2APB, one of your co-hosts for this evening, and Joe, N2CX, is here as well, per usual. And tonight we have a really good program. The program this time is called Time and Time Again, and that pretty much says it all. Just about what we did last week was introducing the, uh, the Arduino clock that we are designing as a team here called the uh, Chat with the Designers Precision Arduino Clock. And we went over some of the basic principles uh, of time and synchronization and where we can get that time on the uh, on the air, on the internet, uh, from rubidium and cesium clocks, if, to, if you happen to have one in your briefcase. And ways to synchronize a clock to, in order to use it for us in ham radio applications here in our shacks and on the workbench. And uh, we're going to take that, that whole concept and advance it a little bit more today. We defined the precision Arduino clock last time as a series of phases of development. And we indicated that the Arduino clock is a, uh, a vehicle for training for instruction, for learning about the Arduino development environment, because Joe and I, as well as many of you others here in this uh, live session, as well as in the podcast, understand the ubiquity, the value, and the widespread usefulness of the Arduino as a computing platform. So we're going to be addressing uh, this project in that particular manner. We're going to be building it up from scratch in some basic capabilities, and we have those, the very basic phase zero capabilities now. Uh, the sketch, that is the software for the Arduino, is posted on our uh, our whiteboard. And we're going to go through that today and maybe help guide you as far as uh, some of the basic construct of where, uh, of what the, how a sketch is made, how, is, how the software is done, and how we went through and in a pretty straightforward manner, maybe not the most optimum way, but certainly the clearest way that we could determine to actually install a phase zero capability, a clock that counts up on one second intervals. And also, based on the uh, principles that we did last week, we synchronize the seconds to WWV or CHU, time signals coming over the air. And we're going to go forward, at least in the next phase, which we call phase one, is adding an RTC, a real-time clock, to our board. It's a, an RTC chip. It happens to be called the DS1307, a very popular chip from, uh, I guess it's Dallas Semiconductors. And uh, that chip is going to be tied into, very simply, to the Arduino. And the Arduino is going to be able to read time from the clock. Actually, first it will set the time uh, based on our synchronization that we just did. And then it's going to write that time to the clock. And then that time clock, that RTC chip, is going to keep track of time independently of anything else that might be going on. With a little bit of a battery backup, it's able to retain the clock settings timing as well through power cycles. You can turn your clock off, turn it back on, and boom, it'll be the right time as still synchronized for the, uh, the, uh, the synchronization effort that we did in the, in the first part. So what we're going to do tonight is two parts. If you've read over the whiteboard a little bit, uh, the first part is we're going to take apart the schematic, or, or conversely, we're going to put the schematic together by adding the, the RTC chip, the real-time clock. And um, basically, this is, this is a, uh, a circuit description, essentially, of, of what phase one is. And we'll show the easy way that that's connected in. And uh, we actually have a nice picture of our breadboard 
on the on the whiteboard. Joe is going to walk us through that. That happens to be his white uh, his breadboard. His uh, is shown at the top of the page on the right, and that's the one we are using to be developing and uh, evolving our features. The one on the left happens to be mine, and I did that one in the form factor of what we envisioned the final form to be, or at least closer to it, kind of stacked up in a typical manner of a, a shield on top of the Arduino board and then the LCD plugged into it. But we're doing all of our development on the breadboard, the open breadboard that allows us to probe around, and, and uh, Joe's going to take us through that. Part two of the program for this evening is a walk through the code. As I indicated, some guys had indicated that uh, you know they were a little confused by the software and didn't know which end was up, or at least got confused by some of the terminology, the nomenclature, and we'll be taken through, and I think it's... Uh, nine blocks, nine views of the software, sequential. It sounds more formidable than it is, but it's just an easy way to kind of go through it. Block one, block two, block three, up to block nine. By the time we get down to the bottom, I think it'll be straightforward and easy to see how we actually achieved phase zero capability of the clock counting upward and the synchronization. So with that, why don't we just open it up here any moment uh, for just a moment and see if anybody has any questions. I'd be particularly interested in if anybody has uh, built up the hardware yet. Anybody uh, done any work to follow along here with the project? Yeah, I gathered all the pieces, but uh, they're not assembled yet. Okay, Rick, that's good. That's a good start. I, I noticed that a whole bunch of people have been ordering the uh, the Rookie kit, which is very convenient for implementing the tone decoder, as you see in the picture. That's what we use to get the uh, detect when the CHU tone of 1000 hertz comes along at the top of the minute, and we use that to synchronize the software. Has anybody else uh, started getting things together? Yeah, I just wanted to let you know, I haven't started building yet, but I'm still accumulating all my parts. Uh, I got the LCD shield and the Arduino shield, but I still got to buy a lot of, uh, order a lot more parts. Okay, Al. Not sure there's an awful lot of uh, parts, maybe little things, many things that are common on the workbench, but uh, very good to hear that you're making some progress. Uh, Gary, did you have something? George, I, um, well, I have the Arduino. I have the Rookie, which I bought and built. I've got the um, LCD display built and tested and just need to pick up the pieces for the clock itself, and I'm ready to go. Outstanding. You might be the winner as far as being the uh, most advanced uh, listener here, uh, participant with the group. Really glad to hear that. And by the way, did you discover that there is a way to calibrate, to self-calibrate the rookie card to the 100, uh, to the 1K kilohertz uh, um, signal with the jumpers in the right position? You can have the PIC controller, the pre-programmed PIC controller that you've got on the board there, actually generate the 1000 hertz tone such that you can adjust the pot and get the tone decoder dead on the 1000 hertz tone. The LED comes on over the tone decoder, and then you know you're you're locked in and ready to rock and roll. Very good. Glad to hear that. Anybody else? Yeah, George. Um, I've got the Arduino. I've uh, hopefully got the rookie kit down with the house, uh, finally getting stuff back into our home. Um, no place to build yet, but uh, we are starting to collect parts. Oh, well, first of all, I'm really glad about uh, getting things squared away. I'm starting to get things squared away back in the in the homestead, Carl. Very good. Living there in uh, in Jersey, you had uh, a great deal to, uh, to kind of catch up on and recover from, so good going for you. And, and thanks for following along on the program. Really appreciate that. This is going to be a good project. So um, why, don't we, why don't we dive into this, Joe? Um, why don't you start us uh, going through the hardware, please? Um, it's your breadboard that you started off there, and we're continuing to evolve on it. In the, uh, in the whiteboard, you'll see the schematic 
that we are following. I went to a conventional schematic because, frankly, that is much more convenient for me and I think many, many homebrewers to kind of understand and see. There's that fritzing thing which shows the pict a combination pictorial and graphic representation, and that's kind of nice. It's convenient for smaller projects. When it gets a little bit uh, larger, as ours, well, we'll get a little bit more large, uh, a little bit bigger as we go along, but not too much. But still, it's kind of easy to represent things in the standard schematic representation, and that's what I chose to do on, this, on the web page. So we went to uh, we went to this way. Okay, well let's get into it, Joe. We've got the schematic there. Um, we've got the schematic, and that's represented in black uh, lines, representing what we've talked about last week. The lines in blue and the lines in red are what we're kind of adding uh, this time, and what's shown in the pictures. But why don't you kind of take us through? Maybe start with the black. We'll you know recap from last week what we've got, and then we'll move forward. Okay, very good. Yeah, thank you, George. Yeah, good job on the schematic. That, uh, that kind of ties it together. What we're doing, we're we're uh, combining projects here, actually. Uh, George mentioned the Rookie. Um, at least for the breadboard, we have the um, a tone decoder, an LMC 567 tone decoder, which you can connect to a um, receiver, shortwave receiver, to listen for the, uh, the tone. As George mentioned earlier, that um, there's a long beep at the beginning of each minute from WWV and CHU. Uh, this tone decoder detects that, and it outputs a, uh, a low signal, which uh, goes through a, uh, an FET, shown in purple on the whiteboard, which acts both as an inverter for the signal to get the right signal sense to the uh, chip, the Arduino chip, and it also provides a little bit of um, isolation of the Arduino from the outside world. It's not always a good idea to connect uh, wires that go from externally uh, directly onto um, computer boards because you can fry something. So we have a little bit of isolation on that. There's also um, on the, uh, the gate of the FET that is driven by the tone decoder, when we go to an external one pulse per second time sink, that'll be driven in the same, same point. And those, uh, those two signals, or that signal from the FET, goes to pin six of the Arduino board, which is used as an input. Uh, in addition, you can see on the right-hand side in the schematic, there's a uh, liquid crystal display um, and a couple push-button switches. Push-button switches will be used for up and down time. And uh, we have a parallel liquid crystal display shown here with uh, only um, looks like uh, six wires going across to it. Um, lower right-hand side, the, uh, the other addition for this evening is um, the U2, the real-time clock chip, the DS1307. It uh, has only two connections to the Arduino itself. It goes to uh, pins four and five, digital pins four and five, um, that provide a, uh, an I squared C uh, bus connection to it, a serial bus connection. There's a serial clock lead and a, um, a serial data lead, and that's all that it takes. The software is built into the, um, the program, into the uh, Arduino, and the sketch that George has to uh, communicate with the chip. Take a quick look down. It shows uh, the breadboard that George mentioned. Um, it's the part screwed with little standoffs on a, uh, of all things, a clipboard, standard 8.5 by 11 clipboard. You can see the battery is clipped to the left-hand side. It runs a Rookie. And um, I just hardwired over from, uh, from the Rookie to the Arduino board. Um, the liquid crystal display is hardwired over as well. And then off on the right-hand side is a, a, uh, another side of this breadboard that uh, has the real-time clock chip. It's crystal and the, um, the clock battery on there. Now, wiring to um, uh, these pro white protoboards and 
the, um, the connection strips on the Arduino board. Um, you can use 22 gauge solid wire and just plug right into the uh, right into the holes. Um, that works pretty darn well. Um, can be a little intermittent, uh, but for a breadboard for checking something out, it works quite well. And as George mentioned, eventually uh, this will go onto a shield, which will plug directly in, so there won't, won't be any of the uh, intermittency problems. And uh, there, the bottom below uh, below the breadboard is shown um, prototype two which would be in the final form with the Arduino board on the left, the shield on the right, which will contain the additional circuitry and the liquid crystal display will plug right into that. So it'll be a nice, uh, nice clean package. Uh, back to you, George. All right, Joe. Thanks for that, uh, that overview discussion. Um, I wanted to reiterate, uh, actually, I wanted to get my window back up here a second. Okay. I wanted to reiterate uh, one of the points that you made, <clears throat> the, um, the external, one pulse per second input, the circuits that are shown in, in purple, um, are, are going to have some significant value to us. Um, the Arduino software is running, and as I said, what we've done is designed it such that it, when you get into a certain mode, and I'll go through that mode in just a moment, the functional operation of it, um, it'll, be looking to, it'll be looking to pin 6 for synchronization. And... Um, um, I'll explain how that goes in just a minute, but pin six is the buffer, and we can take an external one pulse per time, uh, one pulse per second uh, time sync in. Uh, right now, it happens to be coming from the 567. Uh, every time that the CHU or WWV goes uh, uh, through a nice 1000 hertz tone, that signal goes low, which translates to, uh, which inverts to a high going into pin six. Later, uh, the same circuit with the same software that we have for phase zero can work if you put a square wave, a one hertz square wave, into the external uh, jack that's uh, in front of the uh, of the FET, such as um, a GPS, one pulse per second output. And uh, that will do the synchronization as well. So, um, and, and or your rubidium clock or cesium clock or whatever you might have, um, or your internet clock, actually. And we'll talk later on about how we can get the USB um, um, uh, signal coming across the USB channel of the Arduino, also serving as a time sync. Now, those of you who are have been thinking a little bit ahead um, or might think that there's a gotcha in here, well, we we thought ahead of two, and we, we have a solution for one of the gotchas. Time nuts, those who really, to a fanatic level, uh, are uh, into precision timekeeping are among the first to point out that, you know, there are many factors that can affect when the one pulse per second comes in over the air, especially, and elsewhere. Um, what we have is a built into the Arduino is an ability to back out or compensate for any differences that uh, might come about. For example, if we're counting on a one pulse per second signal for synchronization, coming from WWV signal, which is either coming over from Denver or CHU, which is coming up from, oh gosh, I don't know, somewhere's up in Ontario. Um, and that signal is coming in, and it could take various paths through the ionosphere in order to get here. And of course, different paths means different times for the signals and different processing then through the radios and all different kind of little things can affect and add up to cause slight delays from what the real one-second um, or let's say the one minute marker is. 
the thing that we're counting on is that no matter what it is, it's going to be, at least within a short period of time, it's going to be relatively the same from one minute to the next. And and if you can count backwards, <clears throat> if you know what that some of that delay is, you can actually program into the Arduino, which is a feature that we will have um, soon, uh, the ability to back out those hundreds of milliseconds, perhaps, that is uh, uh, affecting the signal as it's coming to you. Now, this might sound kind of all confusing and, and Greek-like for now, but we'll get back to that point later on, which helps make, it helps put the P in precision as far as, uh, well, actually, it puts the A in accuracy. Precision is repeatability, so we both have both accuracy and precision um, with this Arduino clock as we're going along. Another point I wanted to make, and Joe, this, this might be a little bit news to you too, is that I've discovered, da -da -da, is that the uh, the DS1307 real-time clock chip, U2, has an output. It has an output pin that can be set to be a one second, uh, one pulse per second output. Now, I kind of remember that this was the case, and I had counted on that, um, but we have always indicated that the that our clock is going to have the ability to send a one pulse per second signal out to your transceiver, to something else, to a uh, disciplining uh, oscillator, whatever you might want to be using this precision one pulse per second uh, signal that the, your clock is going to generate. I was thinking that we would be generating that by means of the Arduino. Well, with the real-time clock, since um, the real-time clock chip, since that's the timekeeping mechanism at the at the heart of our clock, <clears throat> We'll be using, I believe, we'll be able to use its one uh, hertz output uh, directly, and thus have it be even uh, more specifically and and carefully aligned to the uh, the time set in the clock. So the clock is going to be able to issue a one hertz signal output again to your whisper transceiver, to your don't your uh, JT65 transceiver, um, as issued from the RTC chip. That's on this. Uh, that's on this board. If you take a look at the data sheet, and this is a link that we have on the whiteboard in the project resources, right there above the schematic, it's labeled DS1307 data sheet. You will see that it has uh, pin seven, I believe, is no, it's not pin seven. Uh oh, I might have a. Uh, I might have that schematic. The pins a little bit wrong. I do. Ground is actually pin four. And uh, pin 7 is the output of the RTC, my, my typo there. Uh, so pin 7, the output of the, of the RTC chip is going to be, or it will be, is a uh, square wave, a 1 hertz square wave. Very, very convenient, of course. Okay, uh, why don't we take a break here, and before we get into the functional description of the operation of the, uh, uh, of the hardware and the software working together, we'll see if we have any questions. Uh, anybody... Have we confused everybody yet, or is, uh, are there some questions we can answer? Go ahead. I have a comment. Sure. On the uh, schematic uh, for the Arduino clock, uh, you have the pin numbering on the LMC567 and the LCD and the uh, DS1307. On the Arduino, you use a mixture of pin numbers and signal names, uh, and for 5 volts of ground, you have no pins at all, but you have OUT2 and IN3 and IN4, but no indication which pins those are. That's a good point. If you look carefully at the uh, at the Arduino board, you'll see that uh, it's numbered probably uh, along the um, the input and output uh, connectors along the side. It's numbered hopefully consistent with the numbers that are shown on the schematic, uh, the nomenclature. 
if I say in three and in four, um, uh, that's an indication. It was more of an indication to me that it's uh, pin three and it's configured as an input. In pin four, it's configured as an input. For example, um, pin seven and eight go into the LCD. And let's just say, let's just say pin um, pin eight is uh, definitely uh, an output. So to be consistent, I could have labeled that as an out eight, much as I indicated out two, since pin two. So the pins of an Arduino are shown, the pin numbers of an Arduino are shown along the board edge, and that's what I'm represented in the uh, in the Arduino block. Other than that, there's really no pins, um, no pin numbering, other than what the indications are that's on the Arduino. Um, I can be more consistent, and that's probably a good point. For five volts and ground, it's 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 the connecting points in that uh, in the connector that are labeled plus five V and and ground. Does that make sense, Rick? Yes, it does. As soon as you mentioned the first pin designation, I understood what was going on. Great. Okay. Um, any other questions about the schematic? There's there's kind of a lot in here, and we again we covered some last week. A point I wanted to make is again is the out two since we talked about it, Rick. Out two is a square wave that is gen that's generated or that that will be generated, not in the current code that that's posted, but it's a square wave at 1,000 hertz that does the same calibration function that I mentioned to, I think it was Al or maybe it was Gary, that uh, we've got a self-calibrating method built into the Arduino that will output a one kilohertz tone. The resistor capacitor network shown um, kind of in the middle of the schematic uh, filters that to make it enough of a sine wave and at the right level with R2 and R1 uh, voltage divider um, it provides the right level of about 100 millivolts is an ideal. Actually, I think Joe and I measured the ideal as 150 millivolts. Um, input signal sensitivity going into the LMC 567 tone decoder. So the Arduino can generate a 1000 hertz tone. And when you have the jumper switch in the Cal position, uh, that that one KC tone goes into the uh, tone decoder and you can adjust R10 the pot on the tone decoder until the LED comes on consistently. You'll find that maybe it's about five turns within the LED stays on within about five turns. So just kind of find the extremes of it and put, uh, put the, uh, uh, the pot in the middle position where the LED is on with that one kilohertz tone applied. Then you can put the jumper back to norm normal and connect that to your receiver output and make sure that you've got uh, sufficient audio level coming out of your uh, receiver and into the tone decoder, and you'll be able to uh, see the red light come on and off in time with the one kilohertz tone when you have a good signal coming from CHU or WWV. Okie dokie, and I see that uh, Brent commented about um, um, a chip, maybe just commenting on the value of the uh, the one hertz um, um, output coming from the RTC. Um, okay, any other questions about the uh, the hardware schematic? And again, uh, you guys can probably be following that uh, the pictorial that we show there with Joe's breadboard pretty well, and uh, um, and wire it up uh, wire up the boards that we have. Joe did a neat thing with uh, with the um, with the rookie board in that he took he of course left the um, the pickaxe chip out of the socket. That's the picture, or that's the socket, the IC socket shown in the lower part of the board where the black wires are going to and from. He left that out because you don't need it, of course. And he put the jumpers, the wires, solid wire jumpers plugged really nicely into pin, I guess that's pin eight and pin four. 
in order to get respectively ground and uh, pin four on that uh, socket is the actual one pulse per second that comes out from the uh, the tone decoder. And that black wire and coming from pin four goes over to the L which looks like the LCD plug board. We've got the FET that 2000 or 2N7000 uh, on that, and uh, the yellow wire is on the the drain of the the 2N7000, and that goes over to the Arduino. So that's there. There's where the Ard, uh, the inversion happens. Okie dokie. Um, any questions about the hardware? George. Yes. Okay. Uh, it isn't really about the hardware, but I'd like to just try to get a, an answer out of you. How did you uh, decide on the uh, the DS1307 when you were looking at? Uh, I'm sure you've you looked at several different parts to choose from, uh, and then you ultimately came to the decision on the 1307. But what made you? What drove you to that to that part? If you if you don't mind, over. Oh, absolutely, Nick. I'll tell you, it's a very gut and visceral um, feeling that drove me to the 1307. I could steal somebody else's software and use it. The DS1307 is very popular amongst Arduino developers, and there are lots of different implementations of it. Uh, it's a basic timekeeping function. Uh, it's a basic way to keep to have the Arduino keep timekeeping uh, for various purposes, uh, remote control, um, all sorts of things, home controllers. And other people have developed and used the RTC functions, um, and therefore... Joe and I could just take that software because it's all out in the open, and we took it and are adopting it, and it's very easy to use. Plus, there is really no reason why not to use it. It's an inexpensive chip, um, works in 5 volts, and it's easy to connect up by I2C, which, again, using I2C is it's a little bit tricky to do in software, but, again, if it's already done, we can just take that functional module of software and use it. So just as any good... Uh, You'll hear this in various ways, but the bottom line is that any good software developer always starts by using somebody else's code and modifying it to suit their own needs. Um, and that's that's what uh, drove our decision-making there. Does that make sense? It, it does, uh, and, I, and I do thank you. I was just kind of curious if that might have been it, but I just figured, well, probably not. You guys came up with this stuff all in. <laughs> it's okay, because I, I plagiarize, or I don't make any credit for whatever I, I play with, but... Uh, uh, hey, why reinvent the wheel when it's already been built over the last 200 years? So no difference here. Over. Okay, good enough. Now, sorry to dash your impressions of uh, of our software ability here, but uh, when we're on a short time frame uh, and you want something that works or at least uh, a good head start with things, that's the way to go. Um, in the future, there might be some other capabilities. There are some chips out there that provide additional storage. They have combined RAM you know, general purpose RAM storage along with the timekeeping. Uh, they have other integrated features. Typically, those parts are a little bit more expensive. This part here is, oh gosh, I forgot. It's on the order of like 3 or $4. So it's it's really quite uh, in the realm of possibilities. It's easy to connect to, and uh, and that's what we did. All righty then. Let's, uh, let's get into the... Um, oh, let me, let me point out one more thing about the breadboard. If you actually take a look at the picture of Joe's breadboard... You'll see two audio cables plugging into the rookie. The top one is coming from the receiver. So there's where the audio from your rig is coming into the rookie. If you've studied the rookie at all, you'll know that the bottom connector is just kind of in parallel um, with the top one. But I have an amplified speaker which gets plugged into that one. So I can actually hear 
um, the time signals and the tuning when it's plugged into uh, when I have the cable plugged into the headphone jack. Otherwise, the of course the the speaker of the rig is is cut out when something's plugged into the phone jack and I'm not able to hear and and it's just reassuring to hear the tone uh, also coming from the output of the of the rookie. So that's that. Okay, let's uh, let's move down into the software area. Well, actually, before we do that, let me explain the function of the Precision Arduino clock. Um, the the basic operation is that of is that of uh, um, incrementing time, incrementing counters on the display that indicate time in hours, minutes, and seconds on line one, actually line zero, um, and date. Um, in uh, the conventional U.S. form, months, day, and year on line on the second line. So um, as as time counts up, the seconds count up, of course, on line on the first line, and the in, and the, the counting sequence is much as you would expect. Of course, seconds counts up to 59, and rolls over uh, to zero and bumps the minute counter, and that keeps going on for 60 times, of course. And once the minute counter counts up to 59 and rolls over, it's going to bump the hour counter. And that goes on ostensibly. It would go on for 23 hours if you have a 24-hour clock. Um, and uh, then it would bump the rollover the hours to zero. So it's a standard clock, as we probably all know and love. If you study the software, you will see, and we'll point this out, but you will see that I only implemented the, um, the rollover from the seconds to minutes and from the minutes to hours. There's some trickiness that has to happen when rolling over hours. Um, I'll mention that at the appropriate point in the software, but I felt that it's this is a portion of code that's really not going to be used, um, that this code is not going to be used longer term. This is, phase zero is much more of an instructional milestone and um, to, to show the basic operation and how to get things working in the Arduino. Longer term, we're going to be Developing, uh, we'll be um, entering the time <clears throat> and storing that time. The Arduino will store the time in the RTC, and the RTC is going to keep track of the counting up and rolling over and leap year and leap seconds and whatever you got. And all the Arduino, all the Arduino is going to do is pull the time periodically from the RTC chip and display it. And so the Arduino is not going to be doing the time uh, incrementing. But in this phase zero, we do do the incrementing, and it's going to show the basic function of, or the basic software operation. It, it's it's kind of interesting once you get the hang of it, and it, once you once you do get a better feel for the simple stuff, the things downstream are going to seem a little bit easier, and uh, it, it gets a little bit more complicated downstream when we push time to the RTC chip and pull it. But um, but you know, you'll get the hang of it. So um, the basic operation of the Arduino is to count up in time. And then the, the the main claim to fame for this phase for the whole for this whole project actually is the synchronization. Now the synchronization is accomplished. I think we mentioned this last week, but we can be more specific this time. Synchronization of the Arduino clock is accomplished by having the Arduino listen for that one kilohertz tone coming from WWV or CHU or from your the one hertz signal from your external a source like the GPS or Rubidium clock or the Internet time uh, from your PC, in other words. As soon as it hears that one second tone or the, the, the tone at the top of the uh, at the top of the minute, um, the Arduino zeroes out the seconds 
it actually would it might be counting up midstream like 34 or 35 36 and at that precise moment when the tone comes along it's going to it's going to turn those second counters to zero and then it's going to continue counting up zero one two three four now you might say that that's going to be cool but you're going to be a minute off because if you if you're almost in sync you know like maybe you're five seconds ahead or five seconds below um, behind and you zero out the seconds at the top of the minute, the top of the next minute is really what's implied, but you zero out the the time your Arduino clock at with the current minute. So if you're going five minutes thirty-three, five minutes thirty-four, five minutes thirty-five seconds, and you get to sync, it's gonna go, at least at first, to five minutes zero seconds. Whereas the real clock coming in from CHU is gonna be um twenty-three hours, six minutes. Coordinated universal time. And then, but you're going to be a, a minute off. So the Arduino is smart enough to, of course, know that. And we put it into a mode that um, not only zeroes the seconds, as I just explained, but sets the time, uh, the minute, uh, to the next minute. So whatever your, your current minute is, it puts it to the next one. Or you can be smart enough and preset the minutes to be the next one and then wait for the time sync to come in. And then when it zeroes the seconds, you'll be right on uh, dead nuts, as they say. Okay, um, does anybody have any questions? I, I kind of described that from two or three different angles. Is that uh, is anybody confused about that? Okay, the bottom line is that you're going along and you're going along almost in sync with whatever real coordinated universal time is, and uh, maybe a couple seconds ahead or below. And then when the tone comes, the Arduino says, "Aha! I got the tone. I'm going to zero out my seconds, and I'm going to put it to the next minute, just because I know that's uh, is that's what." Uh, uh, that it's going to be. Um, and that'll become clear when I actually go through the code snippets. So let's indeed go through the code snippets because that's the basic operation of, of the Arduino clock as it is right now. It counts up and when it, uh, if and when at the appropriate time, it detects that there's a synchronization tone coming in. It sets the uh, seconds to zero. Okay, so let's go down. If you find yourself on our web page, if you find it at uh, code block number one. And we're going to move, move quickly through many of these because they're pretty straightforward, as you'll see. But let's start at, at 1, which is always a good place to start. Okay, I have mine, uh, my code block number 1 up. And um, uh, if I had had enough time, I would have labeled what code block number 1 is. And bottom line is that this is kind of setting things up. It's, it's the global and, uh, um, it's the, as you see there, it's the header um, where the program information. Let me describe something here first just to kind of... The convention with the Arduino software, and this is very um, much like the C language. Have you heard of the C language before? It's very much C-like. The letter C is a language that's very common, that has been very common with software development, and it's very English-like, such that it's almost self-documenting, but you can, you can see what's going on. Lines that start with either a double slash or a slash and asterisk, and then end with an asterisk and a slash, those are comments, and those are kind of lightened characters, as you see on the web page on a whiteboard. They're kind of light green, I guess it is, or just lighter gray. Those are comments. They're not executed code. It's just comments you put in there. And we use the header area to, for the program name, the, uh, the version number of the, of the code, uh, the author, the date, all the kind of common stuff that you would see for documenting. Next in line there is the includes and the global variable definitions. This is where you define the variables, um, and uh, you can actually define what variables that you're using. You can define 
what kind of variables you have. This is not going to be a, a language tutorial. You can actually see an awful lot of great information in the Arduino reference. If you go, I, I don't have it up right now, but if you, I think it's under uh, information or help. It's in the help menu, perhaps. You'll see a, an item called reference. And if you click on, if you select that menu item under help, you'll see a very nice online menu or an online manual that uh, has all the keywords and explanations and sample code. It's just outstanding. It's an outstanding development environment. So you can use that very interactively as you're developing your code. And it will describe the different kinds of uh, variables that we use. In this, in this, in here, in the global variable definitions, we define the pins. Rick was mentioning or asking about the pins before. The liquid crystal. You see the line that says liquid crystal space LCD. So what this is defining is the actual pin numbers that we are going to be using with the LCD library that's included uh, in the include file liquidcrystal.h just above. That line sort of says, I'm going to include another library that's elsewhere, and so I don't have to reproduce an awful lot of things, and I can depend on somebody else's code. So that code is set up such that we can put the pins in any order that we wish, and we want pins 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 to be used for the LCD. Then we use a variable called time sync, time sync, and it's an integer, and we're going to be using that as another input. And if you remember pin 6 on the, on the Arduino schematic, pin 6 is indicated right there. That's time sync equals 6. We also use other uh, variable locations throughout the program. The most notable ones are time and date. Those are arrays of uh, characters, and they are initialized as 15 hours, 34 minutes, and 56 seconds. Happens to be what I was working at this afternoon. And the date is set for today's date. Da -da -da, 02262013. So those are the ex that's the string of data that gets incremented accordingly, and the one-second uh, ticks of the clock. The 56 that you see there gets incremented. So if you were able to compile this and load it onto your Arduino, that's what would come up at first in the first time, and then it would start incrementing from there. And you'll be able to change that by the menu settings that I'll describe in a moment. So that's the header, and that's the global information and uh, the variables and such. And then there's setup code. In this block is also setup code, stuff that's uh, done once. It's typically called initialization when we when when we uh, embedded developers do it um, in assembly or, or another language. This is the code that's run once when during the startup and you never run it again. So it sets up registers, it sets up uh, an initial display and so on. So here we uh, we initialize the LCD, we set the pin to an input or an output, enable the pull up resistors, get, kind of get things set up, and then we print an initial message to the user console. Um, and then we start up the user console. Interesting. There's a bug right off the bat. I see it. It's funny when you explain things like this. And I was wondering why that happened. There's a peculiar operation. I need to put the serial begin above the serial print line because I can't really print anything until I specify the baud rate of 9600 um, for talking to the serial console. So um, bum, 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 bum. let's take a break there, and I'll next explain the, the serial console if you've not done that with the Arduino yet. Does anybody have any questions about block number one? Pretty straightforward. Hey, George. Is that why we were having flakes with the serial console the other day when we were working with the code? Uh, you had the uh, begin in the wrong place. I think that might be it, Joe. And actually, that's that's what I was thinking. And that's probably it. Okay, let's. Uh, any other questions about block one? 
Okay, let me explain another basic operation or basic uh, way that the Arduino development environment runs. When you bring up the Arduino editor and you load up your program and um, you can edit it and then you hit the either the verify or the, I think it's called upload to the hardware in order to load your program onto the uh, onto your Arduino board. There is a capability that uh, the Arduino has to interact with the user over the USB bus by means of a serial console. And if you, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little circle. Again, I don't have my, my environment up right now, but there's a little circle that indicates uh, that you can click to bring up a serial console. It's like a, a debug terminal. A little window comes up off to the right, and the program can talk to, can send data to that little window, and you can enter data from the keyboard to the program by that window. And that's where the serial print line goes to. Um, so you need whenever I say serial print line, send um, an S to set the time and date. So that message would come up on the serial on the little window off to the right. And then once your cursor is in the text area of that little window, and that's an important thing to remember, um, as somebody found out, um, you can then type characters and your program can actually wait for and look for and make decisions based on the data that you're entering. That's actually how we set the time in the manual way um, with the Arduino with with this uh, Arduino clock program. The other way to set time longer term is with the push buttons, but we won't have time to get into that tonight. So serial console is kind of an important part, and that's what we use here in the first phase in order to set the time. And you'll see that in just a moment. Okay, um, block number three. This is the main loop. Every program's got a main loop of some sort, and the main loop is just a main loop. It runs forever. So from the start of uh, loop, you see it there where it says void loop paren paren bracket. So everything from bracket down to the very bottom bracket in that code block is executed again and again and again and like forever. And the whole idea is to put um, in this endless loop the sequences that is going to ultimately increment your uh, in increment or clock, check for the external synchronization. Um, Pulse coming in from outside, uh, output messages to the display, it all goes in there. And uh, let me go through that in, uh, that loop, and it's really just a couple of functions that are, that are shown. Sometimes these functions look kind of geeky relative to the characters. It doesn't look like you're reading uh, uh, an Angela Lansbury book or whatever. But um, what we're doing here, and you can pretty much follow this by looking at the comments off to the right. Remember, as I said, anything that comes after the forward, uh, the double forward slash is a comment, and that's grayed out. So um, the first thing is, you know, we identify that we've got some storage for the data byte received from the serial port. And now we check to see that there's any data coming in from the serial port. If serial is available, then we go on and we do stuff that's in between the, the, the bracket. In this case, the stuff is we take the character that we typed and put it into the Rx byte location. And then we check that. Is that an S? If we check for RS, Rx byte being an S or a capital S. And if it is, then we jump over and we call a subroutine called set time. We'll get there in a minute. But ultimately that is, uh, um, ultimately that is the subroutine, one of the subroutines uh, down below. But if there's nothing been, if nothing's been typed, if there's nothing in the at the input of, if you haven't typed anything on that keyboard, the um, uh, the next the else line is is uh, performed, and then we're going to do two subroutines. One is called increment time, 
And the other one is display time, where we're actually going to send the, the date and time strings to the LCD and to the serial console. And that's it. So the bottom line is Endless Loop does two things. One is it's, it checks to see if any character has been typed on the screen. And then if not, it goes and we increment the time and display the time and then loop back around to the top. Pretty simple. Any questions? I do. Okay, go ahead. All right. The, uh, you initialize the uh, received byte to equal zero. Assuming, let's say, we have an S. Down towards the bottom, you after the else, you have the received byte equal. Does that kind of clear that or reset that S back to zero? Yes, it does. The, um, uh, when a character is typed on the keyboard, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the, the contents of the keyboard goes into the variable called Rx byte. We just initialize Rx byte up at the top, receive byte up at the top. Uh, we initialize it to zero to give it a known location uh, or a known starting point. Um, but after we've done, if you've typed a character, if it's an S, it would be a, a byte value, a hex byte value of uh, S, small s is, well, a capital S is 53, I think, uh, hex. Um, so once you're done processing that, you want to put it back to zero just because it's a good thing to do. And we come around and, and uh, wait for it to change back again to something that's not zero. Make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Other questions? Okay, there's a text question by Todd. Uh, to what extent does the execution time of the routines within the main loop and the loop itself influence the timekeeping of the system? Actually, if it's not done, if the software is not done properly, it would could influence a lot, Todd. That's a good observation. That's something that software programmer has to keep in mind. We're keeping this a simple example. Um, so you'll notice when we get down to, I forgot where it is. We'll get to it in a moment. But we use, oh, there it is, in the very next code block, number four. Let's get into code block number four, and you'll see my point. So if a character was not typed, in other words, we don't want the little menu to come up, um, and I'll explain the menu later, but if you, if you just turn your Arduino on and don't hit anything, or even if you don't, it doesn't even have to be connected to the computer for that matter, um, the code block four is going to come up because it's, it's a subroutine that we call increment time. The very first thing that we do in increment time is we call delay 1000, which is a delay of 1000 milliseconds, um, which is one second, of course. And then we then go on to bump the registers. So this is a very simple, very rudimentary timing element um, that uh, we depend on the, the clock of the Arduino, uh, the actual internal clock of the Arduino to keep track of time, which by definition is not really accurate, but it's good enough to start off with. So if we uh, later on, we'll put some uh, code in there that's going to check for time by going to the RTC. And we'll be doing that not on one second boundaries. We'll be doing that on, on very more frequent boundaries than, than that. So if we don't do those boundary checks for time uh, often enough, or if we do in the wrong spot, we'll actually be the we'll have the computer do be doing stuff while the the WWV tone is coming by. We'll miss it, and that's a very important thing. It's, that's called system engineering, looking at the big picture and making sure that all your signals and and actions of the computing system are, are working together. And if you didn't do that, there is a chance, as I think you were alluding to, that uh, ultimately we might miss the, the synchronization tone coming in from WWV because of our processing either being taken too long or being done at the wrong time. Okay, um, how well does the Arduino compiler optimize the hex code so it's that it's efficient? I have no idea. Actually, I don't know that, Todd. So uh, that's something that we can look up and 
Ideally, we want to program the computer, program the Arduino, such that the, the optimization of the Arduino itself is not that important. And that's why we, that's, that's one of the main functions of the RTC chip. The RTC, the RTC chip is accurate, and uh, we, depend, we depend on its accuracy. And therefore, we don't need the Arduino to be overly accurate or overly optimized. And the computing that goes on can happen, can be arranged to happen in the sloppy times, if you will, when it's not critical that uh, a precise time be accurately measured or, or represented. And uh, we let uh, the timekeeping burden fall on the RTC. Okay, so let's go on to, uh, again, the uh, in code block number four, we, we wait a second. And then at the end of a second, of course, one second has transpired. So what we need to do is increment the clock. And the clock is represented, I've just shown the, the, um, the, the clock is represented in the array of time, a string of, oh gosh, I, had, I was going to put this in, but I just didn't have time. And I will later on uh, after the show. A string of uh, eight characters um, are represented in the variable of time. Time zero, T0, zero, T1, T2, T3, T4, T5, T6, T7. And they are respectively high, uh, the, an, an ASCII character or a byte, if you will, which is represents the high hour and the low hour. And then an ASCII character for a semicolon. Then an ASCII character for a high minute and a low minute. And an ASCII character for the semicolon. And lastly, in time six and time seven, um, is the high seconds and the low seconds. So T7, as shown here, happens to be the low seconds. It's the variable. It contains uh, the character uh, that is set for the low seconds, and we increment it. That's what the time 7 and the funny symbol of plus equals 1. That's kind of like saying time 7 is equal to time 7 plus 1. It's a shorthand way that we software programmers have of, of representing uh, uh, incrementing by 1. So... Uh, so what we do is we take time seven, we bump it by one. If time, if the low, if the low character of seconds was uh, um, was three before, and then we come out of the delay of uh, above, and now we say time seven equals time seven plus one. That time, the value in time seven is now four. So we do that, and um, let's just assume that in the next line we check to see is is it greater than nine? Have we rolled up over nine? If we have not, we jump down to the next if line. If statement. Now we check the time six. Remember, time six now is the next higher order. That's the it's the high byte or the uh, the uh, the higher digit of the seconds. Is is time six equal to a five? And if it's not, we bump we go down to the next if statement, which is the lower order of the minutes, time four. If time four is greater than a nine, no, it's not because let's just assume that you know we're kind of like midstream. Uh, 23 minutes and 33 seconds, and we get a time tick. So the, the delay comes, and time 7 goes to um, a 4 for 34 seconds, and we just keep incrementing down and ultimately um, uh, bump the minutes. If we check the minutes, and if it's uh, if it's higher, I'm getting tongue-tied here, but uh, bottom line is we ripple up, and uh, we actually uh, can bump the, uh, the characters, uh, bump the, the time values. However, let's just take a look at if the time 7 at the lower order of the seconds was a 9 to begin with, and we bump it up, time 7 becomes 10. Now, that's, that's an illegal character for a single digit. We have to roll that, that 9 over to a 0. And think of yourself looking at a digital clock and you know what I mean. 
So we check to see if time 7 is greater than 9. In this case it is. And therefore we set time 7 to 0. And then we also then go to time 6 and bump it. So now from, let's pretend we were at uh, 39. And we get a time tick. And come down here and 9 goes to 10. So we have to reset it to 0. And we bump a 3, the higher order seconds, to a, the next digit, which is a 4. Now so 39 seconds becomes 40. And so as to hasten ourselves through the, uh, to, to go quickly through the rest here, the same process happens for the minutes and the same process happens for the, uh, for the hours. And as uh, I've, I've indicated, uh, I only show us going up to uh, modifying the minutes and then bumping. The, the last thing I show here is bumping the hour at the bottom. Time 1 is equal to time 1 plus 1, where we increment the hours if the minutes have rolled over from 59 to 60. Okay. Um, any questions on the, the time increment? Incrementing the time based on the ASCII string of time represented as hour, hour, minute, minute, second, second digits. Question. Okay. If I understand correctly, then, if you wanted to load this code that you've got here, uh, all you would need is the Arduino and the, uh, the LCD. You don't need uh, any of the other circuitry, right? That's absolutely right. This code is uh, for last week's um, last week's hardware level. You don't need the RTC for that, and you also don't need the uh, you don't absolutely need the uh, the phase um, uh, the tone decoder either. You'll just see your clock counting up uh, as a clock would normally do. You won't have the time syncing capability. Right, because this doesn't make any use of that syncing, right? It does, but we haven't gotten that part yet. Okay, other questions. All right, it gets a little bit easier at the, in the next block, code five. So code five, block code five, <laughs> code block five, is uh, just the uh, display time. You might recall back up in the, the main loop. Yeah, in the main loop, in the else statement of the main loop, we called increment time, which we just talked about. And the next thing we do is display time. So in code block five, we display the time merely by um, doing... Uh, Two things. We display time, uh, the, the, the time string and the date string. The first four lines there display the time string and the date string to the LCD. It outputs those characters to the LCD because you've got the LCD wired up and, and the library that we're using, the, L, uh, the liquid crystal library, knows how to take the data that we're sending to it in the time string and the date string. And again, those strings are defined up above in the globals. And it just you know, puts it to the, uh, the LCD, and that's what you see. Um, similarly, in the serial print statements below that, we take those, those same two time and date strings, and we, um, it sends it to the serial console. So if you've got your little serial console set up on the right-hand side of the screen, you would, uh, you would, see, the, uh, you would see the date and the time show up on, on one line, date, time, actually time, date. Time date, time date, and it would just do that in one second intervals, and that's the same one second intervals that you that is sent to the the LCD. But you don't see the LCD time changing except only on those one second intervals, if you know what I mean. So that's what indicates the uh, the second sticking by. Okay, for set time, here's where it kind of gets this is this is the fun part. This is the really cool part. Um, the second the second most cool part, and the bottom line of this uh, the bottom line operation of the Arduino clock is that while all of this is happening, it's just a click, you know, a, a second goes by, and we increment the time and display it. Another second goes by, we increment the time and just display it. Another time goes by, and we 
increment, increment the display. So that goes on like forever. And in the process of that, you might say, okay, I'm going to, I need to set the time. And what happens is you hit a character on the, on the keyboard. And you remember up above when we were looking for uh, an, a capital S or a small s? So if you hit an S on the keyboard, that would be discovered, and you would, and the, the main line would call the routine called set time in code block number six. Now I'm not going to go through every line here, but I'm going to say it um, functionally. Bottom line is that the character that you type is interpreted, and it's a menu item. There are nine menu items that are uh, displayable, and uh, let's see. You see those nine menu items. If you go down to block number eight, code block number eight, that is the display. Actually, sorry, not the display, but the uh, the serial console. Those those nine menu items are displayed in the serial console, and you have an opportunity to enter um, one of uh, nine numbers to select those nine functions. You can set the year, you can set the time. I'm sorry, the year, the month, the day, the hour, the minute, the second. So the idea is that you would. Uh, Go through each one of them. You would press a one, and then it prompts you to enter the uh, the year in two digits and return. Then you would press the number two and set the month in the same way. Set press number three, enter the day. You know today would be like uh, two six return, and you go down through the seconds. And then you're still sitting there in the menu, and it's waiting for you to. Uh, you have an opportunity to do one of three things. That would be menu number seven, number eight, or number nine. Number seven is going to be the most useful or the most common one is that it writes the changes to the display and, and to the Arduino, Arduino memory. And then it continues onward and it continues counting from there. Um, and that's the normal operation. The cool part, the really cool part is option, uh, menu number eight. Wait for external one PPS time signal, a uh, time sync signal. So pretend that you're uh, that we're in uh, uh, minute five and 33 seconds 533 is displayed on your on your clock and you want to synchronize that because the <clears throat> the time coming over the chu is uh maybe it's five and uh you know 45 seconds well you go into your menu you set minutes equal to six and then you hit menu number eight menu number eight um, um sent you to block number seven a little, what we call a case statement for the entry number eight. In block seven, case eight, you see sync time. That's the, uh, the label that I have in there, the comment, sync time. What we do is we display a message that says, wait for time signal from the one PPS external source. And then it sits there and it waits and it waits and it waits for the time signal, the time sync to come in. Remember we defined the time sync pin as pin number six. Well, the digital read um, uh, command op, uh, that we see there, digital read time sync, that's reading the value on pin six up in the Arduino. And it says, while it is low, while the time sync is low, we're just going to wait here. And we're going to wait and wait and wait. And remember I used the example of uh, uh, WWV was at 45 seconds. 15 seconds later, you're going to hear a beep. At that point, the Arduino is going to detect that the time sync pulse is going to uh, signal on, on pin six of the Arduino is going to go high. We're going to exit from that while dig read time sync equals low. We're going to then continue down. And at that very moment, we reset the seconds, which is time six and time seven, 
variables to zero. We zero those out and then we continue on counting. So remember the first thing you did was you set your, your minute to the next minute that's coming up. I forgot what I used. Uh, maybe you set it to minute six and then you hit the menu item says sync time and the Arduino sits there and it waits and it waits and it waits until it gets the one kilohertz tone from the phase uh, from the uh, tone decoder, which of course comes from the WWV tone detection. And at that point, we zero our seconds, which puts us as close as we can get in sync with UTC. Time is six minutes, zero seconds, coordinated universal time. And that's the sequence that synchronizes up the, uh, um, the Arduino clock. Big, uh, big, big point here, folks. This is this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where the family jewels are. Any questions on it? As usual. Oh, I was counting on you, Rick. What's that? Uh, maybe I missed something. Uh, you do not have a function anywhere that will put that uh, one kilohertz tone out on the out two pin of uh, the Arduino. Do you? It's probably like a three or four line program to do that. Yeah, it's a it's a problem. That's a self calibration. In order to keep this this program simple for discussion tonight and for anybody to look at the code and try to understand it while listening to me um, on on the podcast and so on, I, I didn't I didn't have the uh, the self calibration in. So yeah, all it is that that's that will be another <clears throat> another menu item. Uh, I'll add another menu item uh, which is case ten perhaps. And then uh, that will be self-calibrate. That will generate a one kilohertz tone. And then when you put the little jumper in the cal position, that one kilohertz tone from the Arduino gets fed over into the input of the tone decoder. And that allows you to turn the trim pot until the LED comes on nice and solid. Yeah, uh, so you're only going to have to do it once. Maybe you just write a little standalone program that we could copy and uh, just run it at the one time we need to use it to uh, adjust the pot. Yep, you can do that. But you can also do it with your, you said you have a rookie that's built into the uh, the pickaxe. So if you put uh, on the on the rookie board, there are two jumpers and both have a normal and a test position or a normal, normal and cal position. If you put them in the, both in the cal position, um, that that commands the little pickaxe controller, which is pre-programmed uh, to generate the one kilohertz tone. So it's already built in. So even before we get this added into the Arduino software, you have the ability to, to tune up your uh, uh, your phase lock loop uh, with the, the bare rookie board. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. All righty. Okay, other questions? Um, we're, we're done. There, there's really not too much more to this program. I'll, I'll go through the rest quickly. But any other questions? Because the whole heart of the, uh, of the Arduino program for our precision Arduino clock is in the count-up sequence, the counting, the incrementing routine, and in the um, in the menu routine, uh, and specifically at the case eight. You know, after you set the time and you go to menu entry number eight for sync time, it sits there, waits for the tone, and then the, when it hears the tone, um, it uh, sets the seconds back to zero, and you are in sync with UTC. So, um, questions about this? George? George? Yeah. George, I had a question on the includes. This is a general question. I assume that since it's an include, it's a source statement. Uh, where do I find those? I'd like to look at that uh, liquid crystal library. Yeah, if you've got your Arduino, if you find the location on your um, hard drive where your Arduino libraries are loaded, the, the main Arduino um, installation point, 
under that, uh, typically it's labeled Arduino 1.0, and under that you will see several different uh, folders, and one will say library or libraries, and under that you'll see libraries for everything. So it's kind of included already in the standard uh, installation of the Arduino package. There's libraries for LCD. There's a library, I didn't mention it, but there's a library for uh, RTC lib that you ultimately have to kind of add into your library sequence, um, or library uh, hierarchy. Um, there's libraries for Blink. There's you know, libraries for different things. I can't think of the rest right now, but you'll see a whole so bunch. Wire is another one. There you go, Wire, which is for the I squared C. So all these things are kind of built in, and uh, which makes us able to write pretty complex programs with only, in this case here, nine blocks, nine little blocks of code where all the function ability happens. Thank you. All right. Any other questions? Hey, George. Yeah, Nick, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So this, uh, since I'm getting a little bit behind, the uh, the circuit tonight doesn't require anything but the uh, uh, the Arduino and the LCD display uh, and what few switches that you might have to go ahead and get this thing up and running because I'm I'm kind of curious about it. Now I know I don't have the a uh, a rookie at all. I was just gonna see how I could work something out with with that. Uh, since I probably won't have one, but uh, we'll see what we do. Uh, but that's all that's really required, though, correct? Yes, it is. I made it a little bit more confusing than it needs to be because we're out of sequence a bit. But think of think of the uh, think of this whole thing in series of phases. Phase zero that we discussed last week is the basic capability of that we're talking about with the phase zero software today. The hardware is now up to phase one, where we're talking about adding the Arduino. Um, I'm sorry, we're talking about adding the RTC chip. So we don't have any RTC chip software in here yet, but we wanted to talk and give guys a chance to kind of put the chip on and figure out where it's wired in and all of that. Next week, among some other interesting things, maybe a little bit differently, or next time, um, a little bit differently than time, but half the show will be devoted toward the RTC software. So if you kind of stay in sequence, you know, you can build up the basic hardware for phase zero, which is just the Arduino and if you want to do the synchronization, you can add the uh, you can the tone decoder, and that's the fun part, actually. Man, that's tying your radio into this electronics breadboard that you've got on your bench, and actually doing something in a you know ham radio-like sense. But uh, yeah, taking a step by step like that is easy. But yeah, this does not deal with the RTC chip yet. Great, because I just wanted to. I was as I was looking through the software itself, I noticed that it wasn't in there, and I just wanted to just basically confirm it. Great, thank you. Alrighty, other questions before we wrap her up. I got a question, George. Okay. Um, I saw somebody else there, too, but go ahead first, Al. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I wanted to order the uh, Rookie and the uh, LCD screen, uh, I can't figure out how to get them both together for so I can save on shipping. Yeah. Somebody else mentioned that, too. i got to fix that. But nonetheless, if you just order both of them, I'll, what I do is I refund the shipping of um, uh, when I'm able to combine orders. So that's my problem. But if you just order them separately, I recognize that it's just one shipping, and then you'll get the uh, the shipping back for the, the second item. Okay, thanks a lot, George. Um, Ariyama, do you have a question? Okay, are there any other questions? Okay, Carl, go ahead. Yeah, just quickly, George. Um, I'm wondering, my rookie kit goes back to the initial runs made uh, way back when. Uh, everything's still good in that for this project? Absolutely. As long as uh, it was a rookie before, it's a rookie now. I mean, that's uh, 
It's a basic capability. We've actually been using the rookie board in several other experiments along the way. So, um, you know, get, grabbing yourself a rookie board is, is probably kind of a useful building block. Um, you know, if, you, if you missed the point from last week, I think, once you get the thing tuned up, you know, can the little LED comes on and tuned with the one kilohertz uh, tones. If you get a one kilohertz, if you adjust your rig such that the CW that you're listening to, Morse code that you're listening to, comes out at uh, one uh, at, to be 1,000 hertz in your speaker, you'll see the Morse code bounce in the LED in tune with the Morse code uh, with the audio. So maybe it, this is kind of fun. Maybe not something you would use on a regular basis, but it's uh, it's an extra little capability there that you might not know have known that you had. Okay, thank you, George. Okay, just. Uh, just wrapping things up in the last section. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's get new name, uh, get new time. So that's the uh, that last block. Block number nine <clears throat> is the code that's used to enter to to receive the two characters that you type on the keyboard in the serial console when entering the time, uh, entering the minutes, or entering the seconds, or entering the hours, and and so on. So um, that's it's a little bit arcane, but if you kind of look through it, it's it's somewhat understandable and. Uh, just put your thinking cap on. Ask me any questions outside of uh, outside the program if you do have questions about that or any other part of the software. It's really tough to walk through code when you're not looking at things eyeball to eyeball with a person or able to point something out specifically on a uh, on a physical whiteboard. But we gave it a good shot here tonight. I hope didn't put a lot of you to sleep. This is probably the only time we're going to go through some major software like this. We wanted to explain how this basic starting point of the software worked such that you have a better feel for how the uh, how the uh, Arduino actually uh, works and and it's really quite simple when you get the hang of it you're not necessarily going to become a, or need to become a software expert software design expert chances are nine times out of ten you're going to take somebody else's code and modify it to make to, to meet your own particular needs and that's kind of the joy I mean you can take somebody else's really cool complex code change it a little bit you know, like put your call sign in instead of somebody else's and when it comes up in the lcd then you can go show your uh, uh your kids uh look look what dad did uh, dad programmed this thing here and as my call sign and, and name come up in there isn't that cool and say wow dad's really hip he's he's got this thing down he's really with it he can program a uh an arduino wow so you there are there are uh, methods to the madness here showing you ways that you can get some uh good experience under your belt with the Arduino. And we're going to use the Arduino in the future, I think, an awful lot. It's just a really nifty, easy program. And it's all, except for the Arduino itself, which is like a whole $25. Um, it's all free. There's a, a gajillion different uh, uh, shields or hardware board, interface boards that you can plug into it to do a lot of different things that are already made. We're going to have our shield to chat with the designers, the CWTD Precision Arduino Code uh, Clock Shield, available sometime in the future, such that uh, it'll all be on one little circuit board and an LCD, and you'll plug that into your Uno, and uh, you'll have yourself something that you can hang up on the on the wall with a and uh, or on the bench and have accurate time. Joe, do you want to? Uh, I'm sorry for taking so much of the time here. I didn't want to hog all of your time for sure. I apologize. But uh, you have a really good reference section in here, I think. Um, I got it in there that concerned how to find WWV and CHU. You want to just give us a quick run through on that before we wrap the show up? 
Sure. Yeah, I'll be glad to do that. And uh, George, believe me, um, I do not feel the least bit slighted if you uh, do all the talking about the software so that uh, you can get tongue-tied instead of me. Uh, there's a section of the whiteboard uh, that talked about WWV and uh, CHU, really fairly simple. Uh, we just tried to um, document uh, some ways of getting usable signals. Um, the frequencies are indicated that uh, both CHU and uh, WWV, WWVH are on. Um, and I, we split it out for the different parts of the country for daylight or nighttime, what the most successful frequencies will be. For example, the, the, um, in the, here in the northeast U.S. and north central U.S., in daylight, <clears throat> the strongest signals on uh, CHU on 7580 kilohertz. Um, and if conditions are right, WWV on 10 or 15 megahertz. Then at night, um, again, depending on conditions, quite often CHU is best on 3330 kilohertz, just below 80 meters or 7580 kilohertz unless it's skipping over us. Or WWV is usually hearable on either 5 or 10 megahertz. <clears throat> Point is, with all these frequencies, if you have a receiver that you can set up with uh, memories in there, put all these frequencies in, in different memories, and then just step through them to see what gives you the, uh, the loudest and the cleanest signal. Uh, and unless the ionosphere is absolutely dead, uh, almost anywhere in the country you'll be able to find a usable signal at uh, almost any any time of the day. Uh, you can you go through and and read some of the more detail, but as an overview, it's it's just a little aid to try to help you with uh, doing that. And by the way, I wanted to make one more point. George is talking about uh, code reuse, taking something that somebody else has uh, written and uh, just tweaking it, making it your own. That's a time-honored tradition. Um, Sir Sir uh, Alec, um, Newton, Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton was touted by someone as saying that he was really brilliant and, and if he could see, he could really see things that no one else could see. His comment on that was, if I've seen farther from others, it's only because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who came before me. Uh, very well said, Joe. Very well said. Um, and thanks for the recap on the, and the information that you provided there as far as CHU. Uh, I call it the Finding, Finding CHU WWV Cookbook. I mean, it's somewhat understandable once you're into it but at first you might like say oh my gosh where's that frequency and what time of the day and what band do i use and so on this is a nice little cookbook for you to use and as you know joe last uh, this past saturday what we did is we hooked up uh, you know in my receiver here or my transceiver what we did is we put uh, um we put chu oh man what did we put we put 7850 chu 78 70 uh, 70 <laughs> oh did you do a typo there? Is it 7580 or 7850 is the frequency? I believe it is 7580. Okay, it was my typo then before. Okay, so 7580 I put on, on my 40 band, uh, 40 meter band, and then I put, uh, actually I was going to 10 megahertz uh, for WWV, and I was just able to move the band increment up and down one in order to flip back and forth between the two. And at that time of day, I think it was uh, CHU was bombing in, wasn't it? That's affirmative. Yeah, so we were able to determine which band uh, was giving us the strongest signal. And that's, of course, is what you want. Nice, clear, better signal to noise. Um, there's some other tricks in the software that we need to do uh, as far as maybe debouncing 
the LED signal a little bit because noise can come in along with the received uh, tones from CHU and WWV and uh, cause a little bit of a point bounce or if there's voice energy, voice energy might trip the uh, the tone decoder at 1000 hertz, which there's always 1000 hertz in our, in our voices. So there's some a uh, little bit of debouncing that we'll get to. We'll put that in the software when we start to get to more of a functional implementation a real live implementation of the of the software here. Okay, uh, folks, point, that's, of, uh, that's, uh, point of comment. You're absolutely right. It's 7850. My dyslexia got to me. Okay, I'll correct the, on the whiteboard. No sweat. I had that, that same condition the other day, if you recall me, trying to enter the number on the keypad. Alrighty, folks, that's that's it. Long show tonight. Maybe a... Uh, was there another comment there? JJ, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I just had a question. Um... My uh, large MFJ clock, the I believe it's 60 kilohertz WWVB. Uh, I'm not sure. I think that's the frequency. But anyhow, it, 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 for the life of me, it just won't stay synced. And um, I've moved it in all types of home, various parts of my home, but it just doesn't sync. Well, I'm really sorry to hear about that, JJ. I think it might be the case because, uh, Joe, you can probably comment here. I think the... Uh uh, the WWVB signal is so—it's a low-frequency signal, and it uh, reception is pretty poor in the Northeast, is it not? Yeah, unfortunately, it is. They've upped their power and then all that, but it's still kind of marginal on the East Coast. Yeah, Pete, go ahead. Yeah, when I lived on the East Coast in New Hampshire, uh, probably irrelevant because of what I found, uh, I had my very first analog clock, and I picked it up at the Deerfield Hamfest. And it did not, it did not sink. And after some investigation, I discovered a loud noise that was very broad, but peaked up at about 50, 52 kilohertz. And I called the power company, and the power company RFI guy comes out, who was a ham, and he said, "You know, I've never used this piece of equipment at this frequency before. I've never, I've never checked out interference." Uh, at this frequency before, so it's really interesting. So we drove all around the area, drove for miles, uh, looking, and he confirmed, as has happened in the past, he confirmed uh, that there was, in fact, interference, just like I was hearing on my equipment at that frequency. He also confirmed that it had nothing to do with the power line. It was not carried on the power line and not generated by the power company, and as such, he had no idea what it was and couldn't help me. And so until I moved away, I was never able to sync up that clock on WWVB unless I drove downtown and took the clock with me. I'll be darned. Well, maybe that, uh, maybe that was part of the reason that JJ's having a problem, too. But I think, uh, I think uh, we, might, uh, we might be able to focus on that, that whole topic sometime, low-frequency low uh, reception of time signals. I, I'm fascinated by it. I just put out a comment that on the text uh, part of our, our board here that I have a CMMR6P60 module that uh, I got from DigiKey when they were still available. Actually, I think that Joe got me from DigiKey when it was still available. And there's a really cool article in Circuit Seller, an older Circuit Seller magazine uh, article that describes how to connect it to a microcontroller. But the bottom line is that you need some signal getting to the, to the darn module and the antenna, or you need a bigger antenna. Um, Pete, did you have something else? Uh, yeah, something else. If anybody knows about that WWVB protocol and how it works, Sunday, just a couple of days ago, uh, I have one of one of my six uh, WWVB controlled clocks, a digital clock, uh, was showing an hour early. 
and it was uh, showing 940 when it was, in fact, 840 in the morning. And I thought, gee, this is odd, and the batteries were only changed like, you know, three, four weeks ago, so couldn't be that and everything else. And, and it was synced up seconds-wise, but it was an hour early, but it was exactly right on date, and uh, the other functions are working fine. But it was an hour, all of a sudden it was an hour early. Uh, and then, uh, through the miracle of amateur radio, an hour later I talked to a friend of mine who was about uh, six miles away across town. And again, we have very strong signals here in Wisconsin. The ground conductivity is very high, and of course we're much closer to the uh, transmitter. Uh, and, and my friend said the same thing. He didn't say it was an hour early, but he said the clock was, was, was off, uh, had, had, had lost its sync at the same, at the same time, uh, sometime on, on Sunday morning. And I have no idea what could have caused that. I, uh, I've witnessed that myself. Uh, we have a number of, uh, radio, radio controlled clocks and, um, uh, typically, it's it's because of the uh, rather rudimentary firmware that's built into those machines, uh, not um, decoding and interpreting the um, daylight saving time bits uh, in the uh, data stream correctly, doing things like uh, seeing the bit get set and applying the daylight saving time correction immediately rather than, you know, um, at the appropriate time, and, uh, and other strange anomalies that seem to happen right around the switchovers. Well, I noticed that uh, the uh, format of that transmitted signal is a pretty primitive thing, and there there's, there is not a, a error checking type thing. Uh, I guess the software should have some sort of a sanity check to see that the 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 uh, time wouldn't go off by an hour in the wrong direction, uh, which was the which which it did in this case. All right, guys, let's uh, let's uh, continue on after I turn off the recording. I think we've been holding people up here. At least the podcasters uh, for a long time, and appreciate everybody's attention. Um, Joe, do you want to take us home with just a very short recap? I think I recapped a lot of it, but just uh, say good night, Irene, for all of us. All righty, very good. Yeah, we uh, we went through uh, some of the early phases of um, of the chat with the designers clock, the um, uh, getting the basic clock functionality working, showing how you increment time that the uh, the clock will display some time. Uh, and the ability to uh, program it. Uh, in addition, the uh, the working program that was provided uh, in the whiteboard tonight uh, does those functions and uh, gives a basis for uh, people to try to understand how the Arduino works um, in a practical uh, practical example. And that kind of gives us a launching board to uh, to further uh, extend the clock to um, make it work uh, much more functionally. We're uh, we're in a step-by-step process, adding on little things and um, improving as we go along. And this was uh, really the first implementation um, that we've uh, done, demonstrating to people how it worked and uh, trying to describe the software in a meaningful way so that uh, they have a starting point uh, for the clock. Uh, And that's it. Uh, Good evening, folks. Well, thanks very much, Joe. And thanks, everybody, for joining us here tonight and bearing with us. Sometimes explaining software is sort of like eating dirt or uh, eating lint or whatever. If you're not into it, it, it just doesn't uh, seem as attractive. But the cool part here is that this is what will be on your little board if you decide to build it up with us as you go along or if you decide to, to grab one of the uh, the CWTD Precision Arduino Clock Shields that we produce uh, sometime in the near future. You'll actually have this sitting on your own bench or hanging on your wall. 
and you'll know what's inside it. So that's the cool part. So 73 all, we'll, we'll talk to you all later. Uh, two weeks from now, we'll have another session. Uh, it'll be a mix of time and another topic, and uh, we'll, we'll mention that as we get more uh, a little closer to it. But 73 for uh, for now from Joe and 2CX and me, uh, George and 2APB from Chat with the Designers.